0: Today's Fort Lauderdale forecast, beautiful, especially for your business. Here, growth opportunities in tech, life sciences, aviation, and financial services are as great as the weather. With one of the top business climates in the country, over 6 million people, and zero state income tax, there's no place under the sun better for you and your business. Learn more from the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance at lesstaxing.com. Because life in Greater Fort Lauderdale truly is life less taxing. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Tim and Kathy Keller are with me. Tim Keller is the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, which he started back in 1989 with his wife, Kath, and their three young sons. Tim's books are many, including the New York Times bestselling The Reason for God and The Prodigal God, plus Hope in Times of Fear, The Resurrection and the Meaning of Easter, and the forthcoming Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I? Uh, can you tell us why this was at the forefront of your mind and why you thought this is the next thing I need to attack?
1: Well,
2: I, I partly I, I noticed that the, a lot of pushback in a culture about yeah. against forgiveness. I mean, it, it starts by recognizing there's just more anger. There's more fighting. There's more, um, uh, I don't know, vitriol in everyone's language. Um, there's a lot more division, polarization. Everybody talks about it. But I also came to see that a lot of younger people, especially, push back on the idea of forgiveness. And I think part of they they... Um, they do that because they feel like well the other side is just so evil, and uh, you know, we shouldn't forgive them and uh, all I know is from what I can tell from what the Bible says is that you actually have to forgive in your heart if you're really going to pursue uh, justice, otherwise you'll be pursuing vengeance mm. so you, you have to you actually have to forgive even very bad people. <clears throat> So that if you're pursuing them in a way of trying to trying to show them the error of their ways, trying to change their behavior, uh, trying to protect other people from them, you want to make sure that you're not out just for vengeance and for payback, but you really want you're really seeking justice and uh, so the more I realized, gee, forgiveness, which is something that I as a pastor have been talking to people about for fifty years practically, because you can't have a marriage, you can't have a friendship, you can't run you can't have any christian any any human community without the ability to repent and forgive. So it was very practical, but I came to realize there was also a cultural issue now. Yeah. So, that's, so I wrote it for a practical. Most people I think are always, always, happy to everybody's struggling with forgiveness, either getting it from God or giving it to other people. And I think how to's, which you're going to get a lot in that book will be helpful, but it's also true that right now it's a cultural moment in which forgiveness is sort of fading. And I'm trying to point that out.
0: Mm. Just at the beginning of uh, this week, Tim and Kath, there was a a local news story in Pittsburgh which made its way all the way across the pond. Uh, A local uh, Carnegie Mellon University professor, um, who's of uh, uh, her descendants are from Trinidad, uh, posted that she heard that the queen was dying. And without going into particulars about the tweet, she basically said, I hope she, you know, suffers excruciating pain. Um and yes, then we heard about it okay, that so everyone we did read about okay, it okay, so everybody you know kind of uh decided to discuss it, you know, people in the u k it was on the front page of The Guardian and the Daily Mirror. Um, And Carnegie Mellon University came out and said, look, she has free speech rights, but she doesn't represent us. And we don't think that this was the right thing to say and all those sorts of things. But um, just yesterday, there was a I don't know, 5000 people signed a letter in support of her saying she has every right to feel that way. And, uh, you know, when it comes to a situation like this, I read I read that tweet and I thought, well, that's just that that that's bad manners to say that about somebody who's dying at the same time. I I go back and forth on this because not that I'm not advocating for forgiveness, but from a cultural perspective, I see the fact we know that colonialism was a negative in many instances. It was also a positive in some instances, but there are many people who suffered. And so denying that suffering seems like that's inhumane. Um, And so how do you balance the need to hear what somebody's saying and the reality of their emotion uh, and the validity of their family experience, while at the same time honoring what Jesus has told us to do.
2: Yeah, well, you see, uh, I I I think the way people turned on her. Um, you said she's Trinidadian, is yes. that what you said? I, I wondered about that. I, I I did see it too, and I said, well, she's either a sir. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, and I, I the way the way people turned on her. I, what, what bothered me was they were using her to make a point. In other words, they were trying to say, "Ah, oh, look how everybody is so woke and progressive, and mm-hmm. this is horrible." So they were, so they were really, and I'm, I'm sure this has got to be extraordinarily difficult for her to be, uh, you know, to be the, uh, the, you know, the object of so much attention and so much criticism. So they were, you, they were essentially treating her like a thing. They were—they were, they were uh, not. I, I didn't see a lot of people just caring about her, and who knows what, what what was her family like and what was what was her background like, and are we even thinking about what she might have been ex- have experienced at the hands of the British Empire? I don't know, but the point is nobody was caring about that. They were they were treating her as a thing, and therefore I do agree that uh, they, she I think she was really misused. On the other hand, I felt like she was kind of doing the same thing to the Queen that uh, she was using the sure. Queen to make a point. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, not uh, recognizing her as a full human being who herself probably suffered a lot in order to do her duty and probably may, for all I know, may have actually had similar... Uh, she, you know, the Queen Elizabeth might have had uh, very similar views of the, of the colonial past to this woman, but it, it did feel like they, they became symbols and people were being very, very, very unkind to each other. So I didn't like what she said, but I didn't like what was done to her either.
0: So you can live in a world where both things are true.
2: Yes, and I do actually think this is one of those places where Christians can forgive and still do justice. See, so that's, that's the idea of the book. I mean, on On the cross, Jesus Christ, when he died, he was actually satisfying justice. He was paying for the sins that... Uh, he was he was paying for the, the sins that need to be paid for. So he was fulfilling justice, and he was, at the same time, securing our forgiveness. And I do think that he lived, in a sense. He did both things at once, and I think as much as we possibly can, we need to be both forgiving and willing to speak the truth. It's called speaking the truth in love, which, by the way <laughs> – nobody's doing in this they're they're not being i don't think she was speaking the truth in love she said look i i admire that she could have said i admire the queen in many ways but i really don't like right. the at all instead of saying i hope she's dying in pain which i think was cruel uh on the other hand i think the way they, that she was being treated was cruel too and that's the reason i <laughs> wrote the book we just seem to be a, a cruel culture right now
0: so tim um uh... <laughs> So if you were speaking to someone outside the church, if you're speaking to somebody inside the church, we already know what the right answer is. We already know that forgiveness is what Jesus told us to do. Even if we're bad at doing it, we know that's the right answer. But speaking to the culture, why is forgiveness better than vengeance?
2: Yeah. Well, the, the, the I think I believe people know it deep in their heart that it's better. I do think they do. Um, and I think what you'd want to say is you, 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 tr- you try to appeal that it's very difficult to say well jesus died on the cross for you well what if they don't believe in jesus right so you can't you can't just assume that they have the same kind of uh christian beliefs but romans one romans chapter one and romans chapter two say that that even without even people don't believe the bible there's a certain amount of truth that they know intuitively because they're made in the image of god and even if they don't believe in god they I think most people intuitively know, for example, that you should treat others the way you want to be treated, which means that if if you have done wrong, most people do want to be forgiven. <laughs> and therefore, you you people deep down know that, look, you know, I really should be treating other people the way I would want to be treated in the same situation. So the best thing to do would be to try to appeal to that, and uh, that's what I would do.
1: Mm. Well, a lot of this ahead, on forgiveness is written around the parable in Matthew eighteen. Am I right about eighteen, Tim? Um, where the the ruler forgives his servant, you know, this vast sum, and the, then the servant goes out and beats up a fellow servant for a very small sum, rather than, you know, saying, "I've been forgiven a lot, so I can forgive a little," and I I think. Everyone knows that they're not who they should be, that they, they yeah. may not have done this particular bad thing or that particular bad thing, but they've done bad things and that they themselves want forgiveness for those things. So extending it to someone else or, or denying it to someone else, let's put it this way, put it negatively, denying forgiveness to someone else means cutting yourself off from the possibility of being forgiven. Uh, if if that person doesn't um, deserve to be forgiven, well, neither do I, because I know from the inside of me far worse things than anybody on the outside knows. And therefore, I think even an an unbelieving person would have the ability to understand. I, although there are people who are so sunk in, in their hatred and in their their um, vengeance. Uh, I did speak to a woman once who I said you know she couldn't say anything about she can open her mouth without talking about this particular man who had wronged one of her daughters and she said you know I hope he burns in hell forever and I said well you know he can either repent and then you'll be in heaven together and and rejoicing that you're both forgiven sinners or he'll be facing something that's so bad you wouldn't even want it to happen to him and she said I want it to happen to him no matter how bad it is I mean she had just really that had become her life crusade she'd become a very embittered person and if that's what you want if you want if you want to become that kind of person where your bitterness and your vengeance has so twisted you because you don't want to forgive that's a pretty bad choice in my view
0: over the last i don't know three four five years uh the idea of deconstruction you know before earlier in the show today we were talking about new words that have been added to the merriam-webster dictionary as of this month there are 320 of them including a dorkable which is all right <laughs> i don't feel like it's really past the threshold of <laughs> should be included in the dictionary yet but it is there um but the the word deconstruction has become something everyone inside uh, the Christian church, at least who has some uh, access to social media, knows. Um, so, you guys, I want to ask you about about deconstruction. I'm sure you've had friends like I have who have deconstructed. We've watched the Instagram, you know, statements pan out with you know the the field in the background and you know the cloudy filter, and everybody looks you know like they're in contemplation. And I don't mean to be smarmy about it, but it all it also has kind of become a cultural artifact um, so talk about how you see kind of this move of deconstruction and whether there's a, an alternate um, an alternate plan or process that can be in place as well
2: yeah very briefly though you can ask me what else you need to, to know I think deconstruction um, in many cases really just means destruction now in many cases deconstruction uh, is a is a Kind of a um, a cool new term to say. I really don't want to be a Christian anymore. So I do see that. Um, and using deconstruction is a little bit of a little bit of a smokescreen to say, you know, I just don't believe anymore, and I don't want to believe anymore. Um, that there is that. But the other way to think about deconstruction, a more positively, is uh, a gut renovation. <laughs> Because in a, in a, if, you're, if you're going to really redo an apartment or a house, sometimes what it means is you have to really see a lot of things, um, uh, in a sense, knocked down. In fact, it looks like somebody destroyed your house or your, or, or your apartment when you're doing a gut renovation. But the whole goal is to redo it better than it was before, newer, that kind of thing. And I do think that's another approach, which is people realize that there's things that are part of what they thought were part of the Christian faith that were they need to discard and other parts they need to hold on to and grow, and they're not quite sure which is which, and so they're going to a period of time in which they say, I know my my faith needs to change and grow I'm not quite sure where uh but i have to I have to work on that, and that i I can respect because I've seen other people do that go through it and come out stronger,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the yeah, I have too, and um and and so when I see a statement from someone, I certainly. I mean I admire the honesty of it um and I appreciate the fact that it this is not the end point that this is something that's in process but what do you see as things that are important then so if it, like I I just finished a home renovation so my husband and I took uh-huh. our our first floor completely back to the studs completely yeah. so if we leave it like that then it's not suitable for habitation. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. That's right. So, um, so how do you? What are the important things so that you don't remain there?
2: Well, it, it yes. It's a, I think usually when you do the renovation, there's certain things you say. I've never liked that, or I'm, I'm not, I I now realize that we shouldn't have that there. We need to replace it mm-hmm. with something. But you're not. You're not getting rid of the whole house, of course. Um, so there are things that I think shake people because they, they were part of their faith and they begin to realize, I'm not sure that I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So for example, a lot of people, uh, get shaken by suffering because they had an implicit belief that if you're a Christian, God will never really let you suffer too much. Yeah. You know, God will be there. And then they find they really did suffer. And then they begin to say, well, maybe there is no God. And what's happened is because they took a non-biblical belief, which is that you wouldn't suffer. I mean, that's the whole book of Job is about about people who said, well, Job, if you're suffering, God, you know, you must have done something wrong here. God would never let you suffer like this if you weren't, you know, uh, unless you were doing something wrong. Um, and there's people like Job's friends who, when they find out, hey, you know, good people do suffer, it shakes them. And they begin to wonder, well, maybe I'm mistaken about other things. That's That's the kind of thing. Uh, also, other people are raised in very legalistic churches, and they can't tell the the all of the added human ideas. You know, like Christians never go to a movie. Christians mm-hmm. just do not go to movies. I don't do that. You know, or maybe you heard we don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't go with girls that do. So uh, there's that kind of sorry legalistic background. <laughs> And, and sometimes when people come out and realize, gee, that, wait a minute, a lot of Christians aren't there, then they start to have to rethink the whole thing. So I think that's fine to get out of those, the kind of naive Christianity many people had or the legalistic Christianity many people have. And it can be a period of, like you said, gut renovation when it's not an easy time to live there. But at the same time, it, in the end, it could be much improved.
0: Kathy, if you uh, had a friend or a close family member, somebody who said they were deconstructing, um, what would you? What would be your concerns? What would you advise?
1: I guess I would tell them first and foremost that, um, well, Tim already used the phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that you can question everything right down to, as you say, right down to the studs. But don't give up on there being answers. Don't make don't make the mistake yes. of saying mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I just I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to think about it. I'm going to just live my life without any reference to faith of any kind in anything. It's now just going to be about me having a happy life because that's not going to work out well for you at all. Um, so I would just be concerned that the person stay uncomfortable. That, you know, they they were uncomfortable in the kind of Christianity that they believed in. But they should stay uncomfortable until they arrive at a place where they understand the biblical God. And many times, in fact, I have talked to people um, who've said, "I, yeah, that, that's okay for you, but not for me. And I said, look, let's both go back down to the ground. I will examine everything I believe, and you can examine everything you believe. Cause I have no interest in being wrong. I don't want to base sure. my, my life on something that's completely Wrong, stupid, invalid. It, it's you know, if I'm wrong, I want to know. I I really do. And if you're wrong, you should want to know too. So let's let's do this together. I, I would go try help go through the process with them and make sure that they don't stall out and just
0: eat, drink, and be merry. Kick up my heels. Tim, talk about when the forgiveness book drops and um, what you're looking forward to about its debut.
2: I'll be very interested in seeing how how people respond to it. Um, I think probably the folks, I think maybe the average person who is listening to this broadcast would probably find the book very, very practically helpful, and they would like it very much. I wonder, there's people at the margins, I think, um, either people who are not believers or people who are kind of deconstructing right now, as you might say. I wonder how they're going to look at it. I would hope that people... Um, who are uh, there's a there's a lot of people who've been abused by the church genuinely abused um, by domineering authoritarian figures or that that sort of thing and they have often been uh, told they have to forgive their abusers but the the way they're told to forgive means just like forget about it they're just saying hey forgive means so don't bring it up anymore don't talk about it you know, just move on and forgive. I've actually got a couple of stories in the book like that when, um, oh, a missionary, uh, uh, you know, a Catholic missionary woman was raped by uh, government uh, soldiers in in a Central American uh, uh, mm. government. Uh, uh, you know, they were actually, she was raped. And then they found out afterwards that she, oh, she's a. Uh, catholic missionary didn't realize that and then they they they, they, they came to her because she wanted to go to court she wanted to you know and they said no you you're catholic you have to forgive you're a, you yeah, know you're a nun right. she's yeah. a nun yeah you have to forgive i mean it's a great example of really abusing yes, yes. that it's right. really really abuse and i do think people have been abused using the christian idea of forgiveness yes. And I, it'll be interesting i hope that people who have will read the book especially for chapters and say this is good because i try to say no that is an abuse that's not christian forgiveness that's not christian forgiveness at all
0: well you guys our time Can is I too think, short kath i'm so uh, sorry i just wanted to put Tell. in one one thing to yeah say. sneak this it in also has an
1: article about the reconstruction of your faith coming out in the Gospel in Life journal that will be dropping okay. mid October. You can find it at gospelinlife.com.
0: Thank you. See, look at how you got that in, Kath. You're like a broadcast pro. <laughs> hey, you guys, we love you. We pray for you regularly. We never forget. And uh, just want you to know how much you're loved in Pittsburgh, how much we appreciate you on the show. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.